Today's passage is Corinthians 2, chapter 2, from 12 to 17. Now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened the door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God who always leads us captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from from God. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here this morning. Someone noticed that I initially have done my sermons from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 5, and now I'm going backwards and I've done 1 and 2. Done a bit of a Star Wars prequel trilogy for you guys. Um, but yeah, it's awesome to be here. I'm really excited. And Second Corinthians, I've preached on it many times here. It's one of my favourite letters in the Bible, just full with so many good things for us to take from it. Um, but yeah, I want to start this morning by taking you back to my childhood. From my teenage years onwards, one of my chores was that I was the one in my family who was responsible for mowing our lawns, and it became something I'd do every other week and once a week in summers. And I remember one particularly hot summer's day, I came in from mowing the lawn, the smell of freshly cut grass was in the air, and my mum had bought me a can of my favourite drink, Dr Pepper. Now, the combined smells of a mown lawn and Dr Pepper, it's still a smell that, to this day, will evoke memories of those years for me. Even recently, after I'd finished mowing the lawns and I'd came in, I had a can of drink waiting for me, those memories, they came flooding back in. You see, smells, fragrances, aromas, they have a special kind of hold on us. They help us to associate a particular thing with a pleasantness, but sometimes that same smell for one person can be an ugliness to another. They, uh, For instance, my wife Ashley, uh, she gets terrible hay fever, and so for her, that same smell of a freshly cut lawn can evoke a fit of sneezes and a running nose for her. Today, as we go through 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 17, we're going to be asking, what does the gospel smell like for you? Because, strangely enough, the gospel actually has a smell to it. And, like my example, we're going to see that for some it's a repulsive smell that reeks of death and decay, and for others it's a wonderful fragrance that brings life. Before we move on, though, it's worth noting a few things about this wonderful part of the Bible. See, 2 Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul, and he wrote this letter to prepare the way for his next visit to this uh, church that he established in the city of Corinth. And one of his goals in writing was to remove any obstacle that would make that difficult or prevent it from being beneficial to everyone. In essence, no pun intended, his aim was to cause the people of God in Corinth to self-examine challenging areas in their lives which is exactly what we're going to be doing today as we ask, what is the gospel to us? Is it a pleasing, beautiful smell, or is it displeasing? This morning we're going to be looking at a few key points that touch on the fragrance of the gospel. In the first point, 
we'll look at the that the fact that the gospel uh, is we'll look at what the gospel is and why as glad captives we should be spreading this good news we'll see that glad captives of Jesus spread the good news of him in the second point we'll look closely at the fragrance of the gospel where we'll see that the good news has a scent to it and we'll ask what is this good news to me is it pleasing or is it convicting so first point glad captives spread the good news before we get into our passage it's worth um, noting that Paul has been spending some time defending himself and his ministry as an apostle some false teachers had infiltrated the church and they were slandering Paul they claimed he'd been fickle in planning another visit to Corinth as his plans were delayed but Paul assures them that he hasn't conducted himself in a worldly manner Paul had reasons for not returning as soon as he'd like to have and there was something more on top of that he teaches that although his plans didn't happen the way he would have planned for himself God had a purpose for him in what happened and that was for Paul to be spreading the gospel wherever he was throughout this time Paul had learned a valuable lesson and it's something that we can take heart in too and that's that as glad captives we spread the good news of Christ everywhere we almost can't help but do so from verse 12 we read now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened the door for me I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there so I said goodbye to them and I went on to Macedonia but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. You see, Paul begins this section by saying that he went to Troas to preach the gospel and that although the Lord had opened a door for him, he had to move on. So, the Lord had opened a door for him to preach the gospel, the good news. So it might be worth starting by asking, well, what is this good news? What is the gospel that Paul was preaching? Especially since later we're going to be taking an in-depth look at the two responses to the gospel later on, it's worth slowing down and doing this now. If you're a believer, if you've been in church for a while, or if you know Christians, you've probably heard this word gospel used a lot. So the weird thing about hearing a word like this too often is that we can become too familiar with it. And that can cause it to lose its power and the sweetness and the meaning behind it. It's like when you buy, you're buying perfume or cologne and after a while you become too accustomed to all these beautiful smells and aromas and you just stop noticing them. When that happens, it, you know, we become desensitized to it and the salesperson will offer us a cup of coffee beans to smell to cleanse the nasal receptors. And this allows us to be able to smell afresh and provides us with an untainted smelling palette. And this is what we're going to be doing now as we slow down and take a closer look at what the gospel truly means. We're going to smell the flowers, so to speak. So the word we translate as gospel is the Greek word euangelion. Now this word is a compound word where you means good and angelion means announcement. So the word gospel is a good announcement or a good proclamation. It's quite literally good news. This good news, however, starts with some bad news. The bad news is that humanity is broken. We're sinful people. We stink. We need a saviour. We're so steeped in sin and darkness that we aren't able to save ourselves. 
and there's nothing we can do to wash ourselves of the stink of sin. I'm like this, (laughs) you're all like this. No one's perfect besides God himself, which leads us to the good news that God sent his son Jesus to earth. He lived a perfect life, he never sinned, yet he knew all temptation. He died the death that we deserved in order to take the punishment that we deserved. The good news is that if we have faith in Jesus, in who that he is who he says he is, if we believe in him, then we're justified by his death and his resurrection, and we're made right with God. Our sins are forgiven, and we can be assured that we will have an everlasting life with Christ. It's like we're washed clean on the inside. We smell good to God when we have faith in him. This is not only good news. This is the best news. It's hard to comprehend how good this is. If you're not a believer, and this is something that interests you, please come and talk to me or anyone else here, or maybe the person who brought you here afterwards, we'd love to chat to you about it more. See, spreading this good news, that's what Paul was doing in Troas. But we then find out that although Paul was preaching the gospel, and although the Lord had opened a door for him to do so, he still had no peace of mind. He had no relief in his spirit. The reason for this was his companion, his fellow missionary, his spiritual brother, his friend, Titus, wasn't there. Paul was concerned for Titus, and even though in Troas there was a door open to preach the gospel, he moved on. He said goodbye to those people, and he went to Macedonia. Throughout the recounting of Paul's travels, we're seeing a man led by God to preach the gospel of Christ. He has concern for unreached people. We're seeing him go from place to place, ministering where God is opening doors. He has concern for the will of God. We're seeing that he had no relief because he was worried for his friend. He had concern for his fellow servants. We're seeing a man that was a captive in Christ's triumphal procession. He was gladly spreading the gospel. In verse 14 we read, But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession, and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. By using this illustration of being a captive in Christ's triumphal procession, Paul was borrowing an image from the Roman world. He was likening Christ to a conquering general. See, in those days, the highest military honour a victorious Roman general could receive was this procession. They marched through the, the city. They paraded up until the Capitol building in Rome. There were sacrifices made of images of the conquered city of animals, and sometimes the captives themselves from those cities would be imprisoned and most likely executed themselves. It was seen as the highest honour that happened maybe once in a lifetime. And yet Paul is saying that we are to give thanks to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. Paul saw himself as a participant in Christ's victory. However, he wasn't a fellow general who was boasting in his own plans or his own good fortune. His participation was being a thankful captive. His participation was in spreading the aroma of the knowledge of Christ everywhere. His joy wasn't in his own work or the plans he devised. Rather, Paul was saying his joy and thankfulness was due to the fact 
that as a captive in Christ's procession, he was being used to spread the aroma of the knowledge of God. Wherever he went, he almost couldn't help but do so. The aroma in the Roman procession was spread to make the general seem great. The aroma in the Lord's procession is spread by us to spread the knowledge of God everywhere. We want others to see how good our God is. We see we share in this special ministry with God and our other fellow believers. We've seen that in all Paul does, in his concern for unreached people, his concern for God's will, his concern for his fellow servants, and his concern for preaching the gospel of Christ. He does it all as a thankful captive in the triumphal procession of the victorious General Jesus. In C.S. Lewis's book, Reflections on the Psalms, there is a short six-page chapter titled, A Word About Praising, in which we read, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy, because the praise not merely expresses, but it completes the enjoyment. It's its appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it's expressed. Like C.S. Lewis and the Apostle Paul, our hearts can't help but worship Christ when he is made great in our lives and when we fully comprehend the gloriousness of this reality, when we are so overcome by his goodness, we want to share the gospel of Christ. When we know, when we come to know God as Lord, as Saviour, as friend, our hearts overflow with thankfulness and joy, and they can't help, we can't help but proclaim this good news. If you're not a believer, can I encourage you to hear this good news for the good news that it is? Can I encourage you to know that Jesus died to forgive you your sins and to make you at peace with God? Know that this is good news. This good news of great joy is for you. Please ask how you can know Jesus better. If you are a believer, can I encourage you to imitate Paul? Have a desire and a concern for unreached people. Spread the gospel to the unreached. And that might be in your workplace. It might be your neighbours. It might be overseas. Who knows where God will send you. But the greatest thing we can do is spread this good news. Second thing is have a concern for the will of God. Go wherever he wants you to go. Do whatever he wants you to do. Thirdly, have a concern for your fellow servants. Serve with fellow believers and serve your fellow believers. And lastly, gladly spread the gospel of Christ because glad captives spread the good news of him. So be so overwhelmed by his greatness that you are overflowing with this good news. Seek to be a glad captive that thankfully spreads the good news of Christ. Which leads me to my next point, and that is the fragrance of the gospel. We've seen throughout our talk so far that the gospel is the good news that Jesus came to die for sinners like me and you. And then we looked at the fact that believers are to be so glad They are to be glad captives in the triumphal procession of the general Jesus, spreading the aroma of the knowledge of God everywhere. Now we're going to see that 
the knowledge of God smells differently to different people. We're going to take a closer look at the fragrance of the gospel and ask what does it mean to us, to others and to God. From verse 15 we read, For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. It's the one where an aroma that brings death to the other, an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Now there are three results that I see when the gospel is spread that we can see in these verses. There's the effects it has on God, on those who are perishing and those who are being saved. When we spread the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection, we are to God, the pleasing aroma of Christ. When people spread this wonderful news of the risen King Jesus, we are to God a pleasing aroma. The most amazing thing about this is that we are pleasing to God, regardless of how this message is received. You see, as believers, God is delighted to have us participate alongside him in sharing the knowledge of who he is with the world. This means we can go into the task of spreading the message of Christ's resurrection, knowing that there will be some people who will not believe us, but that's okay takes the burden off our plates. The other glorious result is that for those who are being saved, we have participated in the amazing reality of bringing someone to faith. And yet, we can't be arrogant about that because we know that we're co-partners with God. We can do the physical work, but he does the spiritual work. He's the one who awakens them to new life. In being to God, the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing, we glorify God. We can live lives that please him when we spread the gospel of him everywhere. I don't think we as people truly appreciate how awesome and amazing this task really is. It's so good that God allows us to share this with him. So let's take heart in this this week. The second thing is that the effect it has on those who are perishing. To them, we're an aroma that brings death. This is a very, very important part to understand. Because at first glance, it can appear that we're the ones who are condemning them by preaching the gospel. You see, this, however, is not the case. In actuality, it's saying that we are the stench of death. We bring a message to the unbelieving hearts that can make them want to flee. The Greek word thanaton literally translates as a fume that kills. So it makes sense that those who hear the message and don't believe it, they wouldn't want to associate with us. It's a fume that kills. Some will be unreceptive to the gospel. They'll want to flee the message and us They may want to harm us. In some countries, this is certainly the case. But the awesome, 
That is the awesome reality of spreading the message that is pleasing to, to the creator of the universe. It's a fume that kills unrebellious and believing hearts. But there is the effects it has on those who are being saved. That's to all who believe in Jesus as king. Say to those who are being saved, wear a pleasing aroma. It's the one who hears the gospel and receives it with joy. We bring life. This is a breathtaking thing to partake in. As those who are saved by the grace of God, spreading the gospel is something we know is pleasing to him and life-giving to those who hear it and believe it. So don't take lightly the amazing gift we have as those who know this pleasing fragrance, as those who know how sweet it is. Share that. You never know how someone's going to receive it. This is a good thing. It frees us from worry, knowing that regardless of what we do, to some we're going to stink of death, to others will be a beautifully pleasing fragrance. Some will want to know more and more and share in the same faith we have. They'll want the same hope that we have. But know that at the end of the day, no matter how it's received, we're pleasing to God when we participate in spreading the knowledge of him everywhere. When I first started dating my now wife, Ashley, there were two things that I'd never eat that she loved. One of them was mushrooms and the other was any form of seafood. The thing is, I found out after trying mushrooms, more often, because my mother-in-law would sneak them into meals, that I ended up liking them, and the smell and the taste became something that was is now pleasing to me. I was surprised to find that I enjoyed this food that I once dis- I found disgusting. Like spreading the gospel... We'll be surprised at how people receive it, and they too may be surprised at their response to it. I still dislike seafood, but that also goes to show that for some people, the thing we find pleasing, the gospel, will never be pleasing to them. No matter how much Ash loves seafood, there are still some nights in our house when Ash will have a big bowl of prawns and I'll have a big plate of chicken wings, and yeah, that's okay. Likewise, no matter how much we love the gospel message, for some people, it will always be a stench of death. It may always be something they never like. But wonderfully, that doesn't take away how beautiful and pleasing the gospel is to believers. There are three things we can do that we can take away from this passage this week. Number one is spread the gospel. I want you all to know that we are all tasked with spreading this message to the world. Some people have particular gifts for preaching and evangelism, but we're all called to spread the knowledge of God everywhere. Spreading the aroma of Christ to those who are perishing and to those who are being saved is pleasing to God. So take heart in spreading this good news, knowing that no matter the result, you're pleasing God. The second thing is to know it's not about you, it's about God. Know that this isn't about making yourself great. Rather, it's about wanting to show how great God is to others so that they too can enjoy his goodness.
From the, the end of verse 16 we read, Who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. A life as a believer is not about us being famous or us being made great. We're not doing this for profit or to be liked. It's a hard task and that is good and okay to recognise. But we should know, as Paul did, that we shouldn't spread the gospel, the good news, expecting to gain wealth or fame. Rather, we should expect that God would be made great and that others will glorify him as we do, hoping that they too will see how pleasing this smell is. The last thing is to speak honestly. Speak honestly as one sent from God. From the end of verse 17 it says, On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Paul was an apostle. He was directly commissioned by the risen Lord Jesus to preach the good news. Here he is saying that he has all authority from the risen Lord Jesus to preach this good news. He was sent as a messenger by God. We may not have this direct mission as Paul does in the same sense, but we have been called to spread this good news as we read in Matthew verses, uh, chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, where it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe and obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'll be with you till the very end of the age. Paul did also say, though, in 1 Corinthians, I urge you to imitate me. So let's, let's imitate Paul. Let's fulfill what Christ has also asked of us when we tell others of the gospel. Speak with sincerity and honesty as one sent from God. There is no truer thing in the universe. The gospel will smell differently to different people. It won't always be a good smell. To some, this message you'll want to share will be like the fume that kills the stench of death. But to others, it'll be a pleasing fragrance. It will bring life and joy. No matter how others respond to this good news, remember that God is pleased with us when we spread it. As we've seen today, the gospel has a smell. To others, to some, it'll be the smell of death. To others, it'll be a pleasing fragrance that brings life. Take some time today to ask yourself, What does the gospel smell like to me? Does it smell of death? Or is it pleasing? Because as we've seen, as glad captives, we are to spread the gospel. We've seen that humanity is broken, that we're all in desperate need of a saviour, and wonderfully God gave us that in Jesus. When we believe in Jesus, we're forgiven, we're made right and at peace with God. This is the gospel. The good news. This is for me and for you. If you believe in this, be a glad captive that spreads the gospel. Have a desire for unreached people. Have a concern for the will of God. A concern for your fellow servants. And gladly spread this good news. And know that when we spread this good news, it will smell. (laughs) Sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a bad way. But know that regardless of how it's received, it is a pleasing thing to God that we spread it. 
know that to some it'll be awful and to others it'll bring life. If this is you, if you've heard this message maybe for the first time or maybe afresh and you want to know more about it, please come talk to me or many. We have so many people here who would just love to chat to you about it. But if you do already find this message pleasing, if it is already something that is not new to you and is beautiful and something you delight in, can I encourage you to take hold of this? Just know that we are all called to be glad captives of this good news, of the triumphant Jesus. Please join with me as I pray for us now. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for every single person in this room. I thank you, Lord, that the gospel has been proclaimed clearly this morning. I pray that the message of the risen King Jesus, who was crucified for our sins and raised to life again, will be a pleasing thing to those who already believe it, and maybe a new pleasing smell to those who have heard it for the first time or who have fully understood it now, Lord. I thank you, God, that you have tasked us all with spreading this good news, that we all are commissioned to be glad captives of Jesus. I pray, Father, this week that we would take hold of this message, that each new day we'd find it more and more pleasing and that with each new day we'd seek to serve our fellow servants, that is, those who believe in you, and that we'd seek to grow that kingdom by spreading this good news. I pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.